Take your team to new heights with training you can trust from CBTC. Unlock your team's potential with affordable seminars and customized training in topics like leadership, safety, manufacturing, transportation, and technology. CBTC is more than a provider. We are your partner for talent upskilling, licensure renewal, recertification, and much more. Discover the impacts that come with our training, from heightened productivity to enhanced teamwork and a commitment to a safer workplace. Visit cbtc.edu slash workforce solutions to get started today. Talk of the Town is up and running in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, USA. I'm Scott Montesano, and this is where the Chippewa Valley comes to talk. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to us on Spotify and iHeart and wherever else you may get your podcasts. Uh, we got a lot going on, of course. We're going to talk a little bit about the Menominee School referendum, and, it, it, and obviously we cannot talk about the results because at the time of the podcast recording, it is Tuesday afternoon. We'll talk more about that, the results in a future episode. We'll do that. We, we got a lot to get to. And, of course, make sure you're checking out all the great shows that we have. A fun Chippewa Valley Sports Watch, which highlighted the Chippewa Valley Roller Derby team. We're all about the Chippewa Valley Roller Derby team. That's dropped. We had a great... Uh, Law Talk, presented by Herrick and Hart, that discusses the recent HSHS Purveya closures from a legal standpoint and things people should keep in mind. I know a number of people have been asking about their medical records and what happens with this and that and all that. They touch on a lot of that. Make sure you're checking out the shows. Of course, Dose of Dog as well. We got great shows coming up. Uh, We also... Uh, had a brand new VSA unfiltered game plan with the business manager of the Eau Claire Express. So lots to get to uh, here. I do want to mention this. A couple fun stories before we dive in. And I don't think I've done enough story time on this podcast. Because it can't always be about pounding your fist on the table about issues and whatnot. Sometimes you got to have some fun, relatable stories that can make you all feel good about yourselves because if it happens to the great Scott Montesano, it can happen to you as well. So yesterday was doing a bunch of podcast recordings and a lot of times guests obviously come into these recordings. I would say most of the time I don't recognize the guest unless we've had the guest on before, but many times I am meeting somebody for the first time when they are a guest on a program. Just the way it is, it is, it has worked, and it's been one of the fun parts of owning this company, all the people that I have met. Occasionally, I'll come across people that I have met before, I kind of know who they are. They kind of know who I am. Maybe I met them in another line of work or more, more particularly, maybe I tried to sell them on something when I was someplace else and we'll, we'll make eye contact and we'll kind of pretend we don't know (laughs) who, who each other is because it's kind of awkward. It's sort of like a broken couple getting back together. Again, 
but most times I don't know who the people are who are coming on as guests. Well, it, it, it happened yesterday, and we've all experienced this, right? person shows up to be a guest on a podcast, and the hosts of the podcast go, Hey, so-and-so, here's Scott, our, our host. Our, our, here's Scott, who does the podcast with us. And I'm like, yeah, you know, hello. And I go, I just need your name so that I can put it into the show notes. And this individual looks at me and to their credit goes, we've met many times before. And I go, oh. And sure enough, the person then tells me their name. And I felt terrible about it. And I still feel bad about it. I honestly, this individual, I probably have come across before, but I was thinking about it in the last several hours. I don't think this person has come across me as much as, I don't think I have come across this person as much as they may think. I think they think that I've come across them. I have a, not to sound cocky or egotistical, I, I think that maybe they've come across my name more often. But that being said, I, I should have recognized the person. I know I've met them in person once before. But we have one of those instances where I go, well, uh, who are you? Let me introduce myself. And the person goes back, we've already met many times before. <laughs> uh, nothing like Scotty screwing things up on a, on a Monday. That was a great start to my week. And I felt awful about that. And I think many of us do as well when we forget somebody's name or we introduce ourselves to somebody and, and, and you know, you can, you can empathize with the individual. If they know who you are and you don't know who they are, it's, you know, it's a, it's a kick to the stomach. It's a kick to the ego. It's, it's kind of, it's not kind of, it is. Insulting. Uh, another thing I wanted to touch on today. So the Montesanos wanted to have a little fun on Sunday. So I got to talk about bad, a bad experience that I had at the Wahlburgers inside of the Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. So the Montesanos, we wanted to have some fun on Sunday. And the way our schedule was working out and driving kids all over the place and whatnot, we wanted to have, you know, a, I don't want to say a fancy lunch. That's, that's not what fast food is. But the way the schedule worked out, my wife and I were going to go grocery shopping, and we had just our son with us. And we offered him the opportunity to pick where he wanted to eat. And I wanted to sit down and have a 20-minute meal. And he chose, because we had to eat in there for lunch, we have had breakfast many times at Hy-Vee and had great experiences. He said, why don't we try the, the Wahlburgers at Hy-Vee? And we're like, all right, we'll do that. We'll, 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 we'll go to the Wahlburgers, and then we can do our grocery shopping right there. And I'd always been meaning to try the Wahlburgers. For the first six months Hy-Vee was open, you heard nothing but bad things about Wahlburgers, and really in the last couple of years, I haven't heard anything about Wahlburgers. Good, bad, indifferent, with the exception of some people talking about the price, but honestly, I didn't really think of the price 
or value because when we go have breakfast at Hy-Vee, it is super duper cheap. Like it is unbelievable the value for breakfast you get at Hy-Vee. So I say, all right, let's we're gonna go to the Wahlburgers. We go, and it's about twelve twenty on Sunday, and the Hy-Vee is somewhat busy. It's not super busy, but it's somewhat busy. And we get there and we put our order in. Now, some people are getting pizza. A lot of people are getting the the Chinese cuisine. I think some people even got the sushi. But we put in on the big screen our order for, I was going to get a chicken sandwich, wife and the son were going to get a burger, all that. And we go find a seat and we're going to sit down. It's about 12.22, 12.23 at that point. And I was already kind of in a bad mood only because when we went up to the big board, there was a lady that was, again, this was not an overly packed situation, but she was seated on a, on a tabletop. She was seated, seated up against a tabletop right next to this screen in which she had a lot of room to move over. And her fat ass was kind of blocking some of the, the screen to order. To the point that I started to give her like a little bit of a shoulder shove. Like, move over, lady. It's not like she didn't have room to move over. So the courtesy was was amazing. Of course, again, she had a huge ass. So maybe that's the problem. Would have taken her every bit of caloric intake she'd already had to move the six inches to give us space. But fat ass or not, we put in the order and we go sit down. And right away, I, can, I just have this sense, this isn't going to be good. Because I could hear somebody else, a, a person around us go, boy, it's never been this slow before. But I don't really think much of it. I just had a, but I had a bad feeling. You ever had that? Had a bad feeling. Now people are getting their Chinese food and they're getting their pizzas. And that's a whole different ordering process. You go right up there, you place your order, all that. We sit there and we wait. After about 15 minutes, we realize, all right, like we can at least get our cups for a drink. We didn't get our cups for a drink. Wife goes up. She gets some cups. We go. We fill our cups for a drink. We wait another five minutes. At this point, it's about 1240. We've, waited, we've been there for 20 minutes waiting. We're like, all right, let's go, let's go check. Things seem kind of weird. They're supposed to bring the meal out to us, but maybe they were going to text us and we have to go up to it. It was kind of an awkward process. So the wife goes up there to ask, hey, can I get an update on her order? And the lady there kind of goes, ah, gives her sort of a, ah, it'll be five more minutes. All right. So the wife comes back. It's going to be five more minutes. All right. We know, you know, maybe they got slammed or whatever. We wait 10 more minutes. At this point, it's 12.50. We've been there for a half hour since our order was placed. I think officially our order was placed at like 12.22. It's now been a half hour. You watch any one of these reality restaurant shows, they tell you in and out 8, 10 minutes for for food, unless you're going to some high-end eatery. We wait, you know, till 12.50, and my wife and I look at each other, and at this point in time, we're... We're not as mad as we are disappointed because we wanted to eat. We were hungry. We wanted to have a nice meal with our son while our daughter was at gymnastics. And I I turn to my wife and I go, we just going to have to 86 this. 
And my wife looks and she goes, I think we have to because we had to get our grocery shopping done to be done in time for something else. And my wife goes up to the counter at the Wahlburgers at Hy-Vee and says, hey, I, do you have any more update on our meal? And I, I was looking at this while it's going on. And a guy there kind of gives my wife a growling look, turns around. The order is still on the, the order is still on like the little thing they swing around or whatever. Kind of odd. It's not on a computerized system. And he pulls it down and he goes, nope, your, your meal hasn't even been started yet. And my wife goes, well, we're going to cancel. We're going to cancel the meal. And the look of relief on the face of the Wahlburger people was embarrassing, I would say, to anybody with high V and Wahlburgers because they were just happy they didn't have to do the meal. Apparently, they had gotten slammed. Again, this place was not overly busy. And my wife was told, go to the front desk at High V on the other side of the building, by the way, and you can get a full refund. And she went over, and no questions asked, she got a refund. Disappointing, we ended up going to Culver's, always great service at Culver's. We got Culver's after the after we did our shopping at Hy-Vee. But I sat there and I went. Obviously, it was not as bad of customer service if we didn't get a refund, but we sat there for a half hour, no meal at all. And I was kind of, as an owner, the lack of pushback on getting a full refund, I think would be very alarming to anybody with, and Hy-Vee, the whole Wahlburgers, Hy-Vee thing, it's Hy-Vee, it's not Wahlburgers. Hy-Vee should look at all those employees and the manager at Hy-Vee and go, what's going on here that one Everything was, uh, uh, people, we had about a $40 bill. We lost a $40 sale because the meal was taking so slow. And then on addition to that, why did you guys, without any bit of pushback, give a full refund? It wasn't like, hey, we got to expedite this meal. Your next meal's on us. And you know what happens when that goes on or you offer somebody a free dessert or something like that? They're going to come back again. You give somebody a full refund, they're done with you. And when Scott's done with you, I'm done with you. I told the story five, well, what would it be, three years ago about how I got terrible service from the, well, I won't mention the restaurant again in town. I'll have to retell that story. I want to get to other things. But there's a restaurant in town that if you're a longtime viewer, you know, and it's a chain restaurant that specializes in breakfasts. But people eat there all day. I haven't gone back there since I had a horrible experience with their general manager. Went, voiced a complaint. Actually, no, it was the same thing. Now that I think about it, I will. If I go to a place and don't get my meal and you don't really show any sympathy for it, you're never going to get my my business again. So the high V might not get my business again for that restaurant. And case in point is this other restaurant that I had this, we had the same thing happen in which we went to a Sunday breakfast, went at like eight o'clock in the morning before it was really busy. We were there for two hours. I always remember that. We were there for two hours. Wife and kids got muffins. It was part of their order. I didn't get muffins with my order. They got their muffins right away. They got drinks. 
and we didn't have a waitress come back and check on us for two hours. We were just having a great conversation as a family. It was right during the heart of the pandemic, so you were just happy to be out and all that. But we waited two hours. Eventually, we got up and we left. I complained to uh, the corporate office about it. Didn't even get didn't even get an apology for that. All right. So customer service in the Chippewa Valley. And I, I want to point out something, by the way. For as bad as that is, many places are great. And I'm sure, by the way, with the Wahlburgers and Hy-Vee, there's great people there. And we caught them on a bad day. And boy, bad for them that it was me. And I've got this vocal mouthpiece in which... You know, a few hundred people download the podcast and we'll hear this. But still, you 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 gotta strive to be perfect. All right. And and the, and what I was saying too about giving the refund without any issue, the fact they gave the refund without any issue also shows me that this isn't the first time this has happened. It was too smooth of a process. Kind of it was almost like a hell, here we go again, sort of thing. But a lot of great places in the area, a lot of hardworking people. Make sure you are supporting places. Okay. So the Menominee referendum is going on, the vote going on as we're talking. We'll see how it turns out. But the Menominee operational referendum is the first in a series. The Chippewa School District will do one in April, and Eau Claire's lined up to do one in November. There has been in Menominee... Lots of pushback. We will see if there is vocal opposition in other districts. But there has been a concentrated pushback in Menominee to this operational referendum. And not just in the shadows. You're hearing it from business leaders. You're hearing also uneasiness amongst people that maybe are even going to vote yes, but they're not all on board with this operational referendum, and Menominee's going to serve, rightly or wrongly, as the playbook for Chippewa and Eau Claire. And if the superintendents in Chippewa and Eau Claire are not looking at the mistakes that Joe Zadowski has made in Menominee, you're not you're not worth your six figure salary. Joe Zadowski unfortunately, does not have a playbook to go by. These other two can learn from his mistakes. Namely, the thing I'm hearing in Menominee, a lot of people just were not sold on it. And Zadowski in interviews on this very platform sounded very unsure of himself in how he presented the topic, in how he explained things. And this is going to go down to something in a moment here. Part of the issue isn't just Joe. Part of the issue is the referendum itself. But one of the biggest things I hear, criticisms of the referendum I've been hearing in Menominee, is people just really aren't too sure where the money's going to go. And if they're not sure where where this money's going to go, a lot of people are not going to vote yes on it. As I said, though, we will see ultimately where the vote goes. If 65% say yes to the referendum and the referendum passes 65% up, I'll say it was overwhelmingly in support and the scuttlebutt I was hearing turned out to be false. But if 
the referendum passes 60%, 58%, 55%. We're talking not overwhelming, but you're going to still have to explain to people where money's going. And of course, if the thing fails, that's a whole other thing. Do I have any idea if it's going to fail or not? No. If I wake up tomorrow morning and the thing passed 69% to 31, I might be a little surprised. I don't think it's going to pass with overwhelming support, 65 plus. I just don't get that sense. I'm not too sure it's going to fail, but I don't know if it's got overwhelming support. We'll have to see. Now, as I said, one of the tough things for Joe Zadowski and maybe why he sounded very uneasy in a lot of these interviews and really couldn't answer questions very strongly, whether on shows on this platform or in public conversations in Menominee, is this is not a referendum in the way a lot of people think of them. It's an operational referendum, just like Chippewa and Eau Claire will be having. It's not paying for specific projects. It's, to dumb it down, it's an increase in the allowance. It's like your kids say, I need more money in my allowance. What are you going to spend it on? Well, I'm going to spend it on some things, but I need more money in my allowance. This is not a referendum to buy more school buses. It's not a referendum to do an addition onto a building. It's an increase in the allowance. And there is no sunset date to it that I know that makes people uneasy. It's, It's just an increase. So you're not paying for a specific project and there is no sunset date. That's what an operational referendum is. Now, those in favor will say it will generally go to maintain what is currently going on at the school. It will cover increases that have occurred. Everything's gone up in price. You hear from the school districts also that these operational referendums will cover the loss of revenue that will come when COVID era, uh, when COVID era relief packages expire. The tough thing a lot of people will then say is, well, you, you got used to spending that money that did have a sunset date on it. You know, why do we have to now fill in that gap? We, why don't we go back to the spending we had before the COVID era? relief packages and that's that's part of the thing there but those in favor will say this yeah it's not going to go buy something specific necessarily but it's going to go to maintain what we have those against will say give me more specifics this is something too that's very key to watch in Menominee and other districts you've got a lot of people trying to make this political, especially Democrats, especially liberals, are trying to make this a political thing. And I got news for them. This is this is not political. These referendums are not political. There is no, if you're a liberal, well, then you, you always vote yes. You support the schools and the conservatives. No, they don't support the public schools. That is not true. Not one bit. There are a number of very liberal people I know that 
it's a crapshoot whether they'll vote yes or no on a referendum. And there's a lot of conservatives I know that it's a crapshoot as to how they will vote. One of our recent podcasts, Adam and Omni, Coffee at the Cottage, talks to people that are against the referendum. Most of those people are Democrats. Most of those people vote liberal. This is not a political thing. It's very lazy talk show hosting. It's very lazy narrative to try to go down that path. This is not a political thing. Red, blue does not matter as far as somebody voting yes or no on the referendums. The question's going to be for people. Do I want to give the school district more money and trust that they are going to know how to spend it? Or do I not want to give them more money? It is as basic as that. This is not, hey, we're going to spend more money to buy a to help to build a new gymnasium or to renovate the theater in the school or to buy new uh, smart boards for the classrooms. Some of those things, some things will will, will be purchased by these operational referendums, but that's not those the operational referendum to keep it simple is just allowing the school district to take more money and increase their budget. That's basically what is going on. Now, I'll throw a bone out to those that are for referendums, that are for the referendums, and say, yeah, we got to support them. I'll throw this bone out for you, in that you are correct that of the people that will vote no on referendums, whether it is the operational referendums or any of the other school referendums that come across, a fair amount of those that vote no will always vote no, no matter how much you explain and no matter how much you may answer their questions to a satisfactory level to them because they don't have any connection to the school. They gain nothing by an increase at the school. They gain nothing. In fact, they, they should not even be a part of the conversation they're just always going to vote no. Just like there's a group of people that will always vote yes, no matter what. But yes, there is a group of people that will always vote no. They don't have kids in the school district. They don't care about uh, the athletics. They don't care about extracurriculars. They think uh, uh, the, the school's already too bloated, blah, 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 blah. They're, namely, they're not going to see a benefit from that. They don't want their taxes to go up. What I am saying here is that I think there's more people in Menominee that are, that are going to be voting no beyond that group. My question is how close of a vote do we ultimately get in Menominee? And then from there, what do Chippewa and Eau Claire do in the future, especially learning about how... I, I, I give this one piece of advice to Chippewa and to Eau Claire. You got to have specifics on the operational referendum. You got to. And I know that's not the nature of the operational referendum, but you got to. And you can't scare people into thinking schools are going to shut down and scaring people that teachers are going to lose their job is not going to uh, 
is not going to do it. If anything else, you've got to kind of come back to people and say, you're right. You're, you're right. The budget is out of whack. Now we need this, but here's how we want to fix things after this referendum. You almost have to attack it head on. Uh, a couple other things here before we go. Saw this earlier today. Uh, road work is starting early down in Jackson County on I-94. They're going to start doing some uh, work on I-94 in Jackson County in early March. You wonder if we'll see projects around town get going in March, a benefit of this uh, very mild winter that we've had. Uh, the Ellie Phillips Downtown Library considering reopening on Sundays. Uh, it had been open on Sundays until the pandemic. If demand is there and it looks like that's the case, hey, get it reopened on Sundays. Now that you think about it, get it reopened on Sundays. If, they, if there's been a reportedly a clamoring for people that they want the library opened on Sundays, get it open on Sundays. And uh, would not hurt downtown Eau Claire either. Downtown Eau Claire can be very sleepy on a Sunday. Library's open. Library is a traffic driver. Could help out some of the businesses downtown. Uh, a couple other quick things here. Uh, the Eau Claire School Board is considering boundary changes. Now, it's been a few years since the major overhaul that we saw. This is not that. Annually, people can petition for individual or neighborhood changes. You know, one or two houses, moving districts. A family south of I-94, which is to be detached from the school district so that they can go to Fall Creek. And another family in Rock Falls wishes to be moved from Durand and be incorporated into the Eau Claire School District. Seems easy enough, but looking at maps, they need to make sure that it, this is continuous. Kind of sim, similar arguments to you know the Oakwood Hills development. But you got they have to make sure it's continuous. And as, a, and as board member Lori Bika pointed out, and here's the rub, in the last several years, all petitions have been denied. So over the last number of years, they've, according to Lori Bika, never approved one of these petitions. So in my opinion, unless it's grossly obvious, it seems fair to deny. And you look at where these houses are and whatnot. Um, I, 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 the, the, the family that wants to go from Eau Claire to Fall Creek, I'm more in line to maybe let them go than I am to take the people that are in Rock Falls and want to move from Durand to Eau Claire. It's not an easy thing, though. They got to look. Obviously, the big part is the continuous nature. You can't be out on an island. The thing for these families, when you move into a home, you know when you move into a home what school district you are in. Now, things change over time. And maybe when people moved into a home, they didn't have kids or, or this or that or anything along those lines. Or maybe something's happened at a school district or transportation issues or all of that. So to be fair to these families, they probably knew the district they were moving into. I'd like to kind of know a little bit more of the backstory. Have they been going to these various districts and now over time have realized there's maybe something would be better for them? But if I were to find out these families knew going in and just want to change for the sake of change. And that's a whole other thing too. And then finally, um, in the leader telegram, leader telegram has started to, 
bring up candidates for city council. City council votes will be going on in April. And in the Leader Telegram on Tuesday, they broke down the District 2 city council race, which is the district the Montesano Mansion is in. Uh, the challenger, Brian Trowbridge, against the two-time incumbent, Emily Anderson. Reading through the Leader Telegram article, it was just eye massage. Like, both talked to the reporter in the Charlie Brown adult voice. Wah, 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 wah. Nothing of substance was, was said by either, or at least not used in the article. However, I do fully endorse Brian Trowbridge for District 2, and I will keep saying this over the next month. And why do I fully endorse Brian Trowbridge? And, and I don't have much, I don't have really any personal interaction with Brian. He served on a board with me about five years ago, and I hated that board. And I don't use the word hate lightly. I hated that board. I wasn't too fond of Brian on that board to be honest with you. But I still fully endorse Brian for a couple of reasons. One, Emily discredited my expert opinion when it came to the fireworks at Carson Park. I didn't like how that whole thing was handled, and she was front and center on that. I found her very condescending, and you don't... No, I I can treat you condescendingly. You don't treat me condescendingly. Two, while nothing horrendous has happened with the city council, I can see it leaning very liberal again like it was 10, 12 years ago. And again, not much has been happening. You you hear rumblings here and there of issues and this and that. and I'm not one just to shake things up for the sake of shaking it up, but I'm on board with us trying to churn the soil. And you've got some change already happening with Jeremy Greger not running again. Let's churn the soil over because, hey, The city councilors we have now, many of them help guide us through something that did not have a playbook, which was the pandemic. And they do deserve congratulations for that, including Emily Anderson. But now I think we've hit a point where you don't want people just there forever. And I think getting some fresh blood in there, because we do, as a community, we are sort of lacking an identity right now. We need to find an identity, and I don't think the current leaders are the ones that are in position to give us that identity. Let's get some fresh blood in there. And then the other thing is Brian is a single dad, and I believe he leans conservative. We could use a more conservative voice on the council, and I do think the council has gotten too comfortable with each other, as I said. Camaraderie is one thing, but I I think they have reached a point where they're too much in agreement and helping each other out. You need some conflict in a good way. Some conflict in a good way. All right, back with you on Thursday. Until then, on behalf of everyone who made this podcast possible, I'm Scott Matasano saying there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. Make sure to take advantage of it. And until next time, so long, everybody.